You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, fan people. It's your host, Aaron Roverman, reminding you that this episode of Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com is sponsored by Harry Tarantula. And the thing I love about comics are the crossovers. You know, those intercompany crossovers, DC versus Marvel, Batman versus Spider-Man, Spawn versus Daredevil. I mean, really, the sky's the limit. But I miss them. They don't happen so much anymore. But on the retail side, Harry Tarantula has a crossover on its own. You can go there for your comics fix and your cryptocurrency because they now sell Bitcoin. So you can get Batman and Bitcoin. It's pretty great, especially when people like uh, City Councilor Norm Kelly are talking about maybe paying your taxes in Toronto, your parking tickets, those sorts of things with Bitcoin. Now, if you don't know what Bitcoin is, it's a decentralized currency. Leon can tell you all about it. As he says, the least interesting thing about Bitcoin is the price. So go over there, get your comics, get your cryptocurrency, get your Batman, get your Bitcoin, and tell Leon that Aaron sent you. You're listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hey, fan people. It's your host, Aaron Broverman. Welcome to Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. With me today, we have Diana McCallum. Diana is a writer and contributor to The Secret Loves of Geeks, which is a sequel to The Secret Loves of Geek Girls, which we talked about with Hope Nicholson and other contributors that have been on the podcast. Secret Loves of Geeks features Gerard Way, Margaret Atwood, and now Diana McCallum. But Diana first came to our attention through texts from superheroes. Texts from superheroes is basically like texting conversations that your favorite superheroes and supervillains would generally have. She also hosts a podcast called Talk from Superheroes, where she talks about movies and things that are going on in pop culture. Welcome, Diana. Hi, so happy to be here. It's so nice to have you because you've been a big fan of this podcast. (laughs) Well, that's why it's nice for me to be here. It shouldn't be why it's nice for you. No, like we we love having people that actually listen, come to the podcast. It's awesome. And uh, you've been a big supporter. So it's it's great to return the favor and have you in. Oh, I, I mean, it's not even a favor. I'm like, yeah, I'll talk about me for an hour. That sounds super fun. Let's do it. Nice. <laughs> so The Secret Loves of Geeks launches, I think, the 21st of February, 2018. Uh, yes, it does. Right, right. I guess the first one was kickstarted by Hope Nicholson and Bedside Press. Mm-hmm. And then it got picked up by Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing a sequel, which is pretty awesome. It's pretty great. So how did you get involved in Secret Loves 
And uh, you were a contributor on the first one, right? I Yes, I'm one of only like three people, I think, that are in both. So I'm like, I wear a little special cap for that. That's awesome. Um, no, I was, I didn't really do much to get involved. I'm friends with Hope and I absolutely love her. Um, she's so great. The editor of the first one who put it all together. And um, she reached out to me and she was like, for the first one, she just reached out to people she knew and asked if they wanted to contribute anything. And I was a writer and I was nerdy and I had love stories. So uh, I wrote her story that was, I think, it wasn't dark, but it wasn't very funny. And I'm a comedy writer. And she wrote me back and she's like, I really like this, but I wanted a comedy piece. So I actually have two stories in the first one. Because wow, okay. <laughs> I then wrote a comedy piece for her. Um, and then for this one, I wasn't supposed to be in it at first because she was going to try to do all new people, except for Margaret Atwood. Because if you Margaret can get Margaret Atwood, Atwood twice, you're going to get Margaret Atwood yeah. twice. Then I think after she got a lot of the submissions in, they were kind of sadder and darker and not as fun. Uh, and she didn't really have a lot of fun pieces, so she asked if I'd write another comedy piece for the book. And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. That's so, awesome. So, um, yeah, really just Hope likes me, and that's how I get work. <laughs> and I cool. love Hope. And you get to be in the same book as Margaret Atwood. I got to meet Margaret Atwood at the launch of the first one. Wow, tell that, me about that. It was very short. It was very brief. She didn't actually, like, sit down and do a signing. She just came and got a book and, like, shook all of our hands who were also in the books. It was... It was cool. <laughs> I kind of want to go to a Margaret Atwood signing because there was a brief period of time where she had like this auto pen. I was just about thing. to bring up her auto pen <laughs> that will sign things for her from afar. Is that what it does? I think so. It's, yeah. it's this weird thing where she's like on video and you can like interact with her and then this sort of robotic machine thing will sign things. She's an oddly high tech lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. And then of course, like Gerard Way uh, from My Chemical Romance is in it. I don't know how she gets these people <laughs> for these books. It's fantastic. So yeah, Margaret Atwood's back. Gerard Way. I think he was a fan of the first one. He retweeted stuff from the first book and he talked about it a bit somewhere. So I don't know how she got him, what she did, but it's super cool, yeah, to see your name in print and you're like, oh, I'm my stories before Ger Gerard Way is in the book. <laughs> right. And if you're new to Gerard Way and his uh, whole thing that he's doing, he's sort of out of music a little bit. He's now more known for heading up uh, DC's Young Animal imprint. He's writing Doom Patrol for D DC right now. And he's involved in uh, Mother Panic, even though he's not writing it. So big name to get for, for something like Secret Loves of Geeks. The first one, too, was Secret Loves of Geek Girls. And yes. this is just Secret Loves of Geeks. So they've introduced, I guess, men and male-identified people and LGBTQ people uh, into it. I guess that's good for, like, the diversity of content. Yeah, for sure. Because the first one was very much, you know, just girls. And, like, there's even so much to get there. Because you want gay girls. You want asexual girls. You want trans women. Like, right. there's... And we got all those people for the first one. But then, you know, we were like, I guess the dudes. <laughs> so, but then it's, like, equally as inclusive now that it's Secret Loves of Geeks. So, it's girls and guys of all races, genders, sexualities. It's, it's the most inclusive book you can possibly imagine. I'm so proud to be a part of these books. Right. two of them on top of that. I know. It's pretty amazing. Tell me a little bit about your story. I mean, the second volume, too, has like a Becky Cloonan cover, I believe. Uh, yes, it does. Um, my story isn't really a story. I do a lot of listicles because I write for Cracked.com sometimes, and I write list articles for them, funny ones. So mine is the 50 weirdest things that happen in a geek relationship. So it's just a bullet point list of funny things that happen when you're just two nerds in love. Things like at Halloween, it's not what costume you wear it's like you have to choose out of all the 
the costumes you have. <laughs> um, when you have your non-nerdy family over, you have to hide the nerdy things or explain why your pizza cutter looks like the Star Trek Enterprise. Just dumb things like that. It's just a fun bullet point list. Did any of these things happen to you? Uh, not the pizza cutter one. I do want an Enterprise pizza cutter. I think about it all the time. But any of them actually happen? I think a couple of them did. Oh, long walks to catch Pokemon definitely happens. Or it used to. I don't catch Pokemon anymore. Yeah, but neither I, do I. And we all used to catch a couple yeah, of Pokemon. I, I think so, <laughs> We've yeah. all caught a Pokemon in our day. I know, I know. But it, it somehow I, it became like passe. I mean, it, it became passe in Canada when it got cold. Let's all be honest. <laughs> about it. <laughs> totally. When it was warm, we were all like, yeah, let's catch Pokemon. As soon as there was a snowflake, we're like, Pokemon's done in Canada. Right. I'm sure in California, they still catch all the Pokemon they want. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a couple little things. I can't, I wrote it like a year ago now, so I don't even remember a lot of the list. Uh, the publishing awesome. takes a while. I, I totally get that. I'm a writer too, so, <laughs> so I understand that. Tell me a little bit about your origin story. Uh, where did you grow up? What was your early life like? Uh, I am from a small town called Miramichi in New Brunswick. Um, we're like 17,000 people, so like pretty small, but not too small. My nerdy background is, it's mostly Batman related. It all starts with Batman, I think. I think because the 90s were so Batman heavy. It was just like the Burton movies and the Schumacher movies were like the only real blockbuster superhero movies in the 90s. And I loved Batman the Animated Series. I loved it. But I also equally loved Batman 66. So I had these real dueling loves of Batman. I really liked this like dark and serious Batman, but I also liked this really fun and goofy Batman. So I think my first introduction to superhero-ness, I was like both sides of superhero-ness, which really, I think, helped me get into superhero comedy. Batman 66, I have a lot to thank for doing superhero comedy as a career, because Adam West really was, I think, the first funny superhero, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I love Batman, too. I mean, I should note that uh, Diana's wearing a Batman t-shirt right now. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty it's good the, one. It's the Batman 66 logo. It's uh, it's, it's the best one. It's, yeah. it's the great one. They're the greats. Uh, rest in peace, by the way, Adam West. I love you so much. I know. I, uh, I met Adam West. It was one of the best <gasps> oh, moments of my life. God. I didn't meet him. I went to their panel when they were here. But Actually, I'll tell you a little secret. One of the introductions to this podcast, I think it says, like, like Godspeed or something. And that was inspired by when I met Adam West and I like rode away on my scooter. He was like, <laughs> Godspeed, Aaron, which is very like superhero-y and Adam west <laughs> It was very funny. Oh, I love it. So, yeah. And Batman is, he is my favorite DC character, but like he wasn't my favorite comic book character like of all time. Like my favorite superhero of all time. Is probably Miracle Man, but Miracle Man. But All I right. but I do really love Batman, and people started to pick up on that. So then they started giving me more Batman stuff. Oh. Like I have a Batman sixty six cookie jar and Ooh, stuff. Fun. So I've sort of adopted Batman as my my character. Like there's a huge painting of Batman in my in my house. I have this Batman 66 cookie jar. I have all the like toys, the Mego style toys that Figure City came out with. 
Uh, and like now I have all these different styles of Batman and I didn't kind of do it on purpose, but it just sort of started accumulating. So now I have embraced my, my Batman fandom. No, I get that. I think being a Batman fan is kind of a curse sometimes because <laughs> your non nerdy family members know you like Batman and right. there's tons of Batman <laughs> merchandise. So they'll just get you anything. Like, I do love Batman, but I have gotten so many Batman gifts that are nonsense. My mom got me a Batman glasses case, a Batman contacts case, um, a Batman makeup bag, which I think is a pencil case. I think it's just a pencil case made for children, but I put my makeup in it. Um, it's just like such a go-to gift for my family now, and I'm like, I like Batman, but this, like, if I'd kept everything they gave me that was Batman related, everything in my head would be Batman. Batman pill Pillows, Batman sheets. It would be too much. I'd look like a crazy person. Uh, do you have a Batman throw pillow too? I totally have a Batman throw pillow. Um, I had a Batman pillowcases that an actual an ex boyfriend actually made for me. <laughs> Whoa. Um, and I do have like a Batman tiny pillow that I bought at a con. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Batman pillow is. Uh, I'm not saying I'm Batman, but. Me and Batman are never in the same room. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, like my love of Batman. There's a book called Becoming Batman, <laughs> which is basically if you really wanted to try to be Batman, what you'd have to like realistically do. Oh, like the training and the money <laughs> and the... Yeah, I think you'd be dead. I mean, let's just face it. The first time you tried to jump off a building, you'd just die. <laughs> exactly. You'd have to be like already like an American ninja warrior to even try it out. Yeah, Batman is a little crazy. Like, you'd have to have... <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> You'd have to have like crazy determination and like you'd have to like overcome pain on like a superhuman level. Oh yes, of course. Like there's nothing more realistic than in Dark Knight Rises when that doctor's just like, your knees are destroyed. I'm like, yes, he jumps off roofs. Your knees would shatter your ankles as well. There's nothing good about this. I don't care how good your suit is. Um, Yeah, so Batman doesn't make sense, but I love him very very much yeah um, so he got me into comics he's like uh, he's my gateway drug cool <laughs> and uh yeah from there what, what happened from there um yeah and then i actually got real comics because that was just tv and i'm like and then you find out about comics um i had a cousin mike who was like 10 years older than me 18 years old, like much older than me and he collected comic books um but he didn't like have any friends who read comic books so he would just lend me these huge stacks of comics because he wanted to talk about comic books with somebody so he lent me these huge batman books um and he was the reason i got into comic books and that was really like the best way to learn about comics i think is someone else just lending you all their stuff and helping you figure it out because comics are complicated they're kind of hard to get into yeah i think I got into comics kind of, you know, I went, I started going to the comic shop as sort of a thing that I could like do with my dad when my parents got divorced, but I didn't really start getting into comics until uh, a tutor of mine started lending me like the real stuff, like the Dark Knight. Yeah, you don't know what the real stuff is. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) like like, like Dark Knight Returns and like Watchmen and like, you know, I, I was going along reading my superheroes and then suddenly someone comes along to like blow your mind. Yeah, because without someone to help you, you just go into the store and you're like, you pick up a single issue of X-Men and it doesn't make any sense because it's probably part six out of an 18 part arc and you're like, I guess that was a comic book. I don't know. But then, yeah, my cousin Mike would like, you know, he let me like Nightfall and he uh, 
death in the family, which was kind of traumatic because I loved Robin. <laughs> I was like, why would you lend me this? Is he okay? It's like, no, that new guy's not him. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he lent me all like the big titles. So I got a feel of like what the good stuff is. And I learned a lot of the continuity that you kind of need to know to discuss comics really well. Um, and then he started branching me off Batman slowly. Um, we found out I didn't like Superman. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of always loved comics from there. I still remember my first pull list because we got a comic book store in Mary Bashi finally. Because my cousin Mike like had to order them in the mail because we didn't have a comic book store. Wow. I don't even know if people do that anymore. <laughs> yeah i don't know because like you always see the, the, the subscriptions like inside of the comics we you know small town you have yeah. to do it yeah. the only way to get comics uh which explains why his collection was so complete like because he would just get the entire runs of things right so uh yeah then we got a comic book store in marriage finally and i remember my first pull list i was little so i didn't have much money so i got five titles i got batman i got detective comics i got robin nightwing and young justice so i definitely had like a an area I liked. I like Bat Family comics and I liked sidekicks. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, the Bat Family, it's like a really unique dynamic. It's really interesting. It's, well, I think I really loved Robin. I had this like huge obsession with Robin because I don't think Robin gets enough credit because he does everything Batman does, but he's like 12. That's very impressive. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when you're also 12, you're like, well, that kid's very impressive. Yeah, totally. And, he, and he's like a circus performer. Yeah, he's... Or, or he's just, I, well, actually, I'm a Tim Drake girl. So, like, I really oh, like just okay. like super nerd, works hard at school. I'm like, yeah, right. that's me. Right. That kid's me. I work very hard for my grades. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Supportive father, sort of mm -hmm. in and mm -hmm. out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally. Trying to do, just doing his best. Just a kid doing his best. Yeah. I love Robin. Yeah, totally. It's so good. <laughs> And and so many incarnations, like, yeah. It's, it's yeah, there's so much to love. It's yeah. like, I love the Bat family. Like, no matter who you like in the Bat family, there's so much to read about them. Like, even Batgirl and, like, Batwoman now, there's just such a, a diverse catalog of books on them that you're like, yeah, I love Tim Drake, and there's, like, 50,000 books that Tim Drake's in. But if you like Dick Grayson, there's tons of Dick Grayson, there's lots of Jason Todd. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's just such, it's, it's a nice thing to like. And people are sort of re-embracing Jason Todd and, like, the Outsiders and, like, the whole Red Hood sort of thing. Like, they're actually doing something with him which yeah, is good i thought he was gonna be kind of short term at first because i'm like well he's shooting people with guns we're not going to allow this right but i guess we've kind of all just accepted that's okay <laughs> for some reason even though he's in the bat family yeah. it's like every time he hangs out with the bat family they're like dear are you still doing that and he's like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. shoot lots of people <laughs> so awesome uh what did you think about uh, the switching of the dynamics during the Grant Morrison run where you had like Dick Grayson as Batman oh. and Damian Wayne. What is your Damian Wayne? Type? I hate Damian so much. <laughs> this, is, this is tender ground you walk upon. I really, really don't like Damian. I think at his best, he does work well with Dick. Because if, if Dick's Batman, then like Dick's the fun one and Damian's the sad, grumpy one. Right. I think Damian and Bruce is awful i think like they're just both sad and grumpy jerks i don't like that dynamic in any way and damien's such a brat and i hate him and he hates tim and i love tim so i think i'm never gonna like damien i just i've tried i've read quite a few stories i've oh i just don't enjoy that kid 
Yeah. I, I, I gave him quite a shot too. Like I read quite a bit of the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin. I'm like, I think this is the best that he's gonna work. Him and Dick. Right. But yeah. then when Bruce came back, I was like, oh yeah, I hate this kid again. Yeah, they're kind of morose. Like. Yeah, because Damien's just like a dick, and he's like, there's no reason to save people, and he like, you know, not not kill, and he's killed people as well, which I'm like, Robins don't do that. Right. And he's like half supervillain, so. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm told he's lightened up a bit now that he's friends with Superboy, but I don't really bother to read much with him anymore but the super sons is kind of good because there's there is sort of a return to the dick grayson damian wayne dynamic in the sense that like he doesn't like superman and superman doesn't like him so there's a little bit of like a banter and like a back and forth that you sort of got with the grant morrison run of batman so that's kind of good uh, but you're right. Like, he's kind of a dour person. Whenever people like Damon, I'm like, you don't get it. You don't. Like, if he wasn't called Robin, I think I actually wouldn't mind Damien at all. Right. There was this short period where he, like, changed his name for some reason. I forget what he called himself. Redbird. He called himself Redbird for a bit. And I didn't mind him at all, all of a sudden. Because I'm like, Robins are fun and Robins don't kill. But if you don't call yourself Robin, I don't have any problem with you, really. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, the sort of badass brat sort of conflicts with like the traditional robin values yeah you're wearing a bright yellow costume you can't be a dick (laughs) you're dressed like an idiot (laughs) you're the joke you have to be fun about it right right even if like your visor is a little kind of yeah even if you're wearing cool boots that have big laces on them (laughs) it's still a yellow and green costume yeah exactly exactly (laughs) wow that's crazy so how did you take your love of comics and and geek stuff and uh, transform it into like comedy writing for comics and like how did you know text for superheroes begin um that was kind of a long journey so it actually started i went to acting school which i don't do anymore but it was fun i guess and that was in halifax and then i moved to vancouver to do acting because that's the best city obviously to do acting in Canada um but I didn't really know anyone in the city and I wasn't very busy uh because I was on EI and I was just doing auditions um so I started I started pitching comic book store articles to cracked.com because I loved cracked.com they're a comedy website that I absolutely love um and they would pay for articles I'm like well I know a lot about comic books I'm kind of funny um and I always wanted to write for them and now I had a lot of free time so I wrote a bunch of stuff for them they loved my stuff I was really happy really excited about worked really hard on it and then I started writing for other sites because everything that cracked didn't want i would just pitch to like a lower site and be like maybe this site wants it maybe this site wants it so in like a year and a half i'd start writing for like a lot of nerdy websites about superheroes like funny articles i'm like oh i'm kind of good at this this is really fun and i was really liking it but i didn't have anything that was like mine like i didn't have a blog that i could point to and be like this is what i make and i wrote for so many websites that i couldn't like point people at something and be like this is the thing that i do yeah like in your author bio you couldn't be like you know uh, you can find my stuff at blah blah yeah blah. the only thing i could do was like i did have a blog and i would like put a link to everything i wrote on the blog yeah. but like that doesn't look as nice like you want to be like this is my thing that yeah. i do yeah. so i decided i wanted to do something and i wanted to do a webcomic but i can't draw <laughs> so i have no artistic ability Neither whatsoever yeah it's really hard so my first idea was actually for a twitter account where sidekicks were gonna tweet at each other and i could never figure out how to make that work unless i made like 15 accounts and one for each like sidekick and i'm like that seems like a lot of work and i don't think people wouldn't really follow what was happening i ran into somebody 
I think at a con who's actually doing like a weird meta narrative on Twitter accounts where she's like creating a superhero origin through Twitter. So okay. like she's pretending that like the superhero is like a real person and like oh just you, updates and then life. and then her updates are like you wouldn't believe what happened to me today and like st- like stuff like that so that people think it's like a real thing until they realize it's oh that's fun i like that so that reminded me of that well she had a better idea than i did (laughs) because i couldn't make that work like i was like i just want one twitter account where they tweeted each other but i couldn't figure out how to do it so um then i looked at things that i liked and that was when texting humor was really big like text from last night was huge text from dog was a website i really loved (laughs) where it's just a guy texting his dog all the time text from bennett was one that i didn't like that much but i knew people liked and, uh, and I looked at those and I was like, oh, that's pretty easy. Like, you just need like a texting template and then you change the words. Um, and I Googled it. And I'm like, someone must have done texts from superheroes already. And no one had ever done one. I was like, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to do texts from superheroes. I'm going to write superhero jokes in like little bite-sized formats and they text each other. And... Uh, my boyfriend at the time, and also currently, and my business partner, Andrew Ivamy, he's a stand-up comedian. He's very funny. He's very nerdy. So I was like, maybe he'll want to do that with me. We'd been dating for two months at the time, and I asked him to launch a website with me, which was insane. <laughs> <laughs> this could have crashed and burned real hard. Obviously, his his reaction was good. His reaction was good. He was very much on board. He okay. really liked the idea. Um, he was like, yeah, that's it's a fun idea. It's easy. You know, we can both really benefit off that. You're writing online. My stand-up comedy and also it sounds really fun um so yeah we uh we sat down we figured out how to make the template a friend of ours made us a logo and we wrote a whole bunch of texts and we made them we launched with like five and we just started tweeting at people and trying to get them to to see it and like it and inviting people to our page and uh and it really and people like it didn't take off immediately there's always slow growth like there's no instant success stories online anymore i don't think unless you're grumpy cat (laughs) grumpy cat really took off (laughs) i wish we had grumpy cats numbers but uh yeah it was it was a thing people really liked and it was kind of just that simple we just came up with once you once we had the concept and realized no one had done it we're like this is it this is gonna be our thing before I ever met you or knew who you were, I think I saw text from superheroes, but I didn't see it like from your original website. I saw it from like somebody Instagrammed it or mm-hmm. somebody Twittered it or something. So I just saw it like randomly on social media at some point. Well, we get shared a lot. We get stolen a lot, too. We get a lot of thievery on textfromsuperheroes.com. But also, we have really good fans who usually call out everyone who steals it, because people know who makes it now. We've been making them since 2012. Right. So, people know online, like, where the real website is, what the real Facebook page is. So, we get, like, a couple messages a week being like, these people stole your thing. And I'm like, okay. And you just, you file a takedown notice. You tell your fans and your fans file takedown notices. It's actually kind of fun. (laughs) It's really fun to take down thieves. Nice. So how many fans do you have right now? Like what's the community like? Overall combined, we have half a million fans. That's amazing. It's really great. I mean, I wish half of them weren't on Facebook because Facebook sucks. Um, (laughs) But uh, a lot of them are on Tumblr and Tumblr is really, really great. So, um, thankfully, Tumblr is a more reliable platform. So those those half of our fans are safe. So how do you make the template? I've always wondered how that even works. Um, this is the really fun, oh, the, the fun secret of text of early text from superheroes for the first three years, maybe like a really long time. I made the template in PowerPoint. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I 
knew how to do PowerPoint really well. I was a legal secretary. I was really good at PowerPoint. I'm like, I think I can do it in PowerPoint because PowerPoint is just like, you can make layers. You just can't see the layer levels on the side like you can in Photoshop. And they look pretty good. I even going back, I'm like, these look really good for something I made in PowerPoint. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't even know. I don't think looking, looking at them. Uh, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with them. Um, yeah, really just, we took, you take like a screenshot of an actual text. Um, you cover up all the words, whatever color the background color is, and then you just put a little uh, text bubble over it and you write your own words in. Nice. So yeah, it's just that easy. You pop in new avatar images of whoever's talking. Um, so yeah, once you have the template done, it's not very hard at all. I don't know how many, because there's also like texting apps where you can make fake texts, but none of them have photos. Um, so the fact that ours have photos make us look really different. We also get a lot of messages from people being like, what app do you use to do it with the photos? And we're like, we Photoshop them and make them ourselves. I'm like, oh, never mind that. <laughs> <laughs> do some people think that like these are actual exchanges that are actually happening or like? Uh, no, I think some people forget we're not canon. Like so, <laughs> we get a lot of commenters who are like, this is why I hate Superman. Cause he's like this. And I'm like, you know, we're not DC <laughs> comics, right? <laughs> we're not, this is an official Superman. <laughs> so people don't think it's real, real, but some people think it's fictionally real. <laughs> That's insane. Like it's like fan fiction. Like, yeah. It's basically, it's basically photo fan fiction. Yeah. It's fan art in the purest sense, I guess. But yeah, so we, we do get messages sometimes like, nice ones who are like just like a mom who's like is there any way you can text my kids and i'm like well, no yeah I, I think yeah well that's what i mean like maybe like you do dirt birthday parties in our mitzvahs no like you know like like maybe i could get a text from batman and it'd be super thrilling like, well you know what hilarious. i well all i told her i actually wrote this woman back who asked if we could text her kid i was like go into your kid's phone and change one of the contacts to batman and then have a friend text your kid and you're done <laughs> totally your kid doesn't know how contact names work. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, go change your phone number and your kid's phone to Batman. And then, great. Messages from Batman. Perfect. You're done. So, at least I had good advice for her. Yeah. It's a, that's a good how-to article. Oh, <laughs> 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 Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll go type that up. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, so, so yeah, that's so cool. So, uh, text from superheroes. Like that's how I first got to know you. Did have any like? I'm always curious. Has anyone from like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or anyone official uh, retweeted you or shown you any love? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've gotten. Okay. Um, Clark Gregg loves us. Okay. Colson. I think he gets really excited whenever we do a Colson one. He retweets almost all of them. Um, so we love Clark Gregg. Uh, who? Oh God! Who played Iceman in the X Men movies? Which brother is it? Aaron? Oh, Sean, there's like Sean Ashmore. Is it Sean or is Aaron? The, is the Iceman? Okay, yeah, what, it is Sean. Okay, okay, okay yeah. so Sean retweeted one of our Iceman ones. Okay, cool. Um, so he obviously liked that. Oh, RDJ's shared them on Facebook. Wow. Um, but I don't know. I don't think that's really Robert Denny Jr. Though, like, that's clearly like his team. Because if right. you go to Robert Denny Jr.'s Facebook page, you're like, Robert Denny Jr. isn't posting these right. things. Right. And, and I, I have a, I have a friend. Uh, you probably know her, Alana McCarthy, and she does oh, yeah. geeky pets where mm -hmm. she paints uh, your pet into like geeky cosplay clothing. And she got retweeted by Robert Downey Jr. too. And I was like, yeah, that's that's amazing. Like he is whoever's in charge of Robert Downey Jr.'s social media is like really on top of what's going on. Oh, yeah. The well, the only problem I had with that was I 
they they shared he shared one that wasn't all that funny i was like we have way better iron man jokes why did you pick this one i was kind of disappointed in our dj's team so tell me a little bit about joke writing because i'm a journalist Mm -hmm. so i don't like I, I can't write humor. Humor is tough. Humor humor's tough. Uh, so how do you do the joke writing? Um, we have a very, very professional process where once a week we go out to brunch, Andrew and I, and we write three to four texts from superheroes. And that's like takes like two to three hours. Um, and really, we kind of just we watch everything superhero related we both read comics we both watch everything superhero related and we kind of just write down notes throughout the week of anything we think's like is a premise or could be kind of funny like um really recently we were just watching the flash and spoilers for the recent season of the flash um barry's in jail so like uh ralph dibney and cisco are fighting the bad guy and the bad guy is this like radioactive guy who's going to destroy the whole city. Right. And I'm like, Barry, you have to leave jail. I don't <laughs> care how moral you're trying to be. This guy's going to explode the city. But Barry never does. So we wrote a text about like how the villains were mad at Barry for not stopping another villain. <laughs> so yeah, we kind of just, whatever we're watching kind of inspires us. We kind of look for like flaws in the logic of superheroes or just funny things that they'd be doing. Um, we have a text coming up about Iceman like helping lay down all the ice in the Olympics. It's just dumb stuff like that that. (laughs) that's awesome and i mean there's always debates and like current things in comics that you can draw from too like we actually kind of try to steer a little bit away from what's currently happening in comics unless it's a really big deal because i think a lot of our fans don't read week to week comics right like they know the big important thing and they've read some comics but the few times that we've done like really current like comic book stuff the people who like it really like it but it doesn't get nearly as many shares it doesn't get as much interaction um like my favorite one i think we did was when uh it was like two or three years ago now cap got really old yeah his super serum got pulled out of him and he was really old yeah so and nick fury was also really old at the time so it was this message between cap and nick fury about being old and how much they loved werther's originals (laughs) (laughs) it was so dumb but it was really funny but also it got like people who didn't read comic books were like what is this why is he old yeah and i mean you don't want to be too inside baseball because geekdom is inside baseball and that's kind of part of the problem with it because it isolates geekdom from everyone else and yeah and you we want to reach as big an audience as we can we'll definitely still do the really nerdy ones from time to time because we think they're funny and like there's an audience for them but overall our guidelines are usually like would my sister think this is funny? Who's not very nerdy. <laughs> I'm like, would, would my sister Jessica get this joke? Right. So we try to make most of them ones that a non-nerd could get, which means the nerds will also really get them. Maybe a non-nerd will also share it. And then every now and then we do a, a real inside baseball. Like these are characters you have not heard of probably. Because you are so, uh, I guess, dependent and like rely on like social media, like what you're doing is very social media friendly. Do you get a lot of trolls and stuff? Because that seems to be like a a very kind of big part of like geek culture also. We get surprisingly few trolls. I don't know why. We have been blessed by the internet gods. We've been doing this for six years almost. And like, I think I can count on like one hand how many trolls we've gotten. Um, Well, there's a difference between like trolls and angry people. Like we've done like six texts that are just dunking on Donald Trump. And we always get angry people about that, but not really like trolls. Not really like we don't like you as a person. I think we kind of avoid trolls just because 
there's two of us making the comic and people don't know which of us made which one, either though it's usually both of us. Right. Um, Cause I think most web comics, it's like one person made this. So if I attack the person, I attack the web comic, but, or, or if I attack the, the web comic, I'm attacking this person. Mm. But I think cause there's two of us and it seems like a brand and an entity, people don't really come at us at all it's yeah, maybe it's they weird. think there are like a whole bunch of people at desks and cubicles behind the scenes i've gotten that impression from some comments <laughs> we've gotten i've like like just people who are just randomly comment like oh man the people who make this or whoever made this one is hilarious and i'm like it's the same two people every time <laughs> there's just two of us that's awesome um, so yeah we i don't know why especially as like you know let's just be blunt as a woman involved in the comic book community online i've like you know you always had that little fear of trolls coming after you and you don't don't want to have to block people and stuff and i don't get much hate at wow. all That's i guess i'm just that funny <laughs> i'm just that good at my job i guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm very very proud <laughs> that's awesome so yeah like it, it's really interesting and then it expanded from there into like podcasts and um stuff. yeah well first it expanded into youtube okay but um youtube is really hard to break into well it became hard to break into there was like a sweet spot in there for like three or four years where it was like youtube was booming and it was easy to make money and there was lots of views but i think we entered youtube a little late um because uh like i said andrew's a stand-up comedian and i was in acting school so we started uh, our youtube channel was called sketch from superheroes it's still it's still going on we still do it we still do a sketch a month um so it's just sketch comedy about superheroes which we really like we can't seem to get a lot of traction on views but they make us laugh really hard so we just get stand-up comedians from around toronto to play our superheroes or we play them um, we've got a green screen but we also go on location sometimes and we just do funny sketches and they do like the full cosplay and everything um some will be full cosplay and some will just like cheat a bit we'll be like you're batman but you're dressed as bruce wayne today like uh, and we'll green screen the bat cave behind you because uh, we don't yeah, have a full cool. batman yeah, costume yeah, like yeah. those cost hundreds of dollars yeah <laughs> this, this is gonna get like eight thousand views we're not paying 200 dollars yeah. for a batman costume um so yeah we kind of cheat a little on how we costume them up um we do have some full costumes we have a full iron fist costume we have a full spider woman um some of them are easy we're like yeah more jessica jones sketches because it's just me in a leather coat <laughs> those ones are easy totally um but yeah they're they're really fun like the very first one we did i absolutely love to death so much it's called superman tax season and it's superman trying to do his taxes with an accountant and like he's got no expenses because he flies everywhere so the guy's like you don't have any bus passes or a car or anything and he's like i don't know why <laughs> None of his expenses make sense. Um, he spent almost like his entire salary on suits because he leaves them behind whenever he changes. Right. He's like, why did you spend $40,000 on suits? He's like, I have to buy a new one every second day. That's hilarious. So there's sketches like that and we really love them. I'd love if more people watched them because I think they're really, really good. Well, hopefully people will hear this and be like, I yeah, love that. I want to go find yes, it. Yes, that's why I'm telling you all our best ones. So yeah, so we did the YouTube channel first. We kind of try to do something, a new thing every like year and a half, every two years. We add another thing because we get a little, not bored, but we're like, yeah, let's Let's expand a little more, do a little more. So after YouTube, we added the podcast. Um, I love the podcast. <laughs> I love the podcast too. Yeah. I, I listened to it in preparation for this interview. <laughs> and the one that I listened to was your take on Pacific Rim. Yes. Because the sequel is coming out mm -hmm. and the Guillermo del Toro movie was like the first movie and now the sequel is coming out like years later. Years later. It's not Guillermo <laughs> anymore. I'm like, no, it's just robots now. Now it's just like 
Power Rangers versus Godzilla, probably, but not as cool because I love the Power Rangers right. <laughs> so much. And uh, and you guys talk about uh, the original Pacific Rim and just like riff on like what's good, what's not about that kind of thing. Yeah, Talk from Superheroes is. We call it Talk from Superheroes because that matches, like, the brand we've built. Like, everything is from superheroes. But I think people think it's, like, sometimes before they listen, they think it's going to be, like, a scripted show with superheroes talking to each other. I I totally thought that. That's totally fair. (laughs) I get that, which is why, like, whenever we're promoting it, we're like, we're reviewing a movie. Yeah, 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 totally. So, yeah, it's Andrew and I reviewing movies or TV shows about superheroes um, or just anything nerdy. Uh, And we usually have, like, comedian guests from Toronto on. What is it like working with Andrew and being together with Andrew and living with Andrew and doing all the things with Andrew all the time? Like, your lives are, like, super intertwined. Like, well, how- let me tell you about Andrew. <laughs> okay. He's amazing. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's super great. It We were very aware that it could easily become too much. Because, yeah, we do everything together. The, um, the website is both our full-time jobs. Um, so we're both home all day, every day together. We work on our site together. We do very little separately. He does stand-up. I don't do stand-up. And I do writing. And he doesn't do writing. Like, article writing and book writing and right. stuff. Um, so those are the things that we keep separate. But other than that, we have an office and a podcast studio and a bedroom and a dog. And that's, like, most of the day, every day. <laughs> um, we make it work. It's just about open communication, being like, one of us needs space, one of us doesn't. But mostly it's just fun. I mean, our job is talking about superheroes. So more often than not, it's like, I'm air quoting, for work, we have to watch the Flash and Black Lightning tonight. I'm like, we would have done that anyway. So it's not really work. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're totally living the dream. So how do you make money off of something like this? Like, I think people are always like, I want to find that thing. Oh, you got to find it. We make money. um, We make money. It's like six different sources that combine to make enough money. Right. Um, There's no one way to make enough money off one thing. So we have a Patreon. Um, Thank you, patrons, (laughs) Uh, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, We have ads on our two websites. So just like Google ads. Um, Mm. So you visit the website, make like a cent. Yeah. Um, we sell t-shirts. Um, thank you, tpublic.com. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, our t-shirt providers. What else do we do? Uh, and we have ads on our podcast. Cool. So those are our main, those are all like those combined make a, make enough to run our business. That's awesome. Uh-huh. And, but it's, it's a very long process. Like we started in 2012. I think we started doing the website full time, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Uh-huh. And we both still take odd jobs every now and then doing something else. So. Yeah, I mean, you're you're writing comics and stories and uh, Yeah, articles. running comics and stories. Every now and then I do, like, office temp work, but I prefer to, to write stuff for other people. Like Secret Loves of Geeks, available yeah. February 21st. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Secret Loves of Geeks. Amazing. <laughs> You've been listening to Speech Bubble. Back after this. This episode of Speech Bubble is sponsored by Harry Tarantula. Go visit them at 6979 Young Street for their games nights. They've got Warhammer, they've got Star Wars miniatures, they've got Dungeons and Dragons, and they have board games nights. Go to harryt.com for the schedule and enjoy some serious gaming. Welcome back, and now more Speech Bubble. In terms of, like, you know, getting away from, like, text from superheroes and that sort of thing, when you go to cons or you make appearances or, or that sort of thing, what is that like uh, for you and stuff? Like, how is the fan community treated you? Like, they sound really amazing and, like, so on board. They are really great. Our, 
Well, the weird thing about our fans is kind of what I said earlier about trolls is that we have fans of the site, but I would say 95% of our fans don't know who makes Text from Superheroes because we don't post about ourselves all that often. Right. You just go to textfromsuperheroes.com and you read a couple texts and you're like, I don't really care who makes this. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So more of the fans is, yeah, when people know who we are, they're very, very nice. They're very enthusiastic. Like I've read your comic for years. It's so nice. But most of the time I'll meet someone at like Comic Shop Ladies Night or at Fan Expo and they're like, hi. I'm this person. I'm like, oh, I do text from superheroes. And they're like, oh my God, I love text from superheroes. It's more of like a, I never thought about who made it kind of thing. But uh, but the fans are great. They, they usually have um, questions very similar to what you just asked of like, how do you make money off the thing? How do you become a person who writes about superheroes? I'm like, it takes many years and a lot of like little tiny growth over time. Yeah. And you have to be funny. And you have to, oh man, that's so important. You have to be funny. I don't even tell people that. That would be really mean, I think. But you're very right. If you're not funny, you're not going to do anything. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> you do have to be funny. That's so, I never even thought about that. I feel like inside me, I'm like, everyone must be funny, right? And I'm like, no, it's hard. I think everybody thinks they're funny. Ooh, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's so good i also like there's a lot of like the industry and a lot of effort is aimed at women and girls and Mm -hmm. comics and the culture and being part of that being like part of the you know where the energy is kind of is kind of going a lot of the time and has been going for years with varying levels of success Mm -hmm. how does that feel I get so excited when new stuff comes out now. Like, ever since Wonder Woman, I think I've just been so jazzed about... I feel like Wonder Woman, like, reinvigorated my love of superheroes. Right. Because I've always loved superheroes. Like, obviously, I've been doing this my whole life. I've loved Batman since I was 10. But, like, you know, eventually, like, you just get into a little bit of a rut. Like, yeah, there's been a lot of movies. They're all the same. And then Wonder Woman just reinvigorated me. I think Force Awakens also reinvigorated me a little. But Star Wars isn't quite superheroes um, with Rey and everything. But just seeing, like, powerful women on screen that are not sexualized and telling their own stories. And I'm just, I'm like... Black Panther's not out yet, but I can't wait to see the Dora Milaje, like just an action and kicking butt. Uh, it's just so exciting to be a girl in comic books right now. And I'm like jealous of little girls who are growing up with all these girls that they get to see. Like they get Wonder Woman, they get the Dora Milaje, they get Captain Marvel, they get uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, they get the DC Superhero Girls show, which is fantastic. And also those comic books are really cute and really funny. And those action figures of the DC Superhero Girls, I like, I'm obsessed with them. I love them um it's really great being a lady in comic books right now and like i said i don't have any trolls either so (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing not to love about it right now i love it in your you know as like a as like a businesswoman who who's trafficked in geekdom basically your entire life do you have to conduct yourself differently or is like the reaction to you from the male audience different than it would otherwise be and how do you how do you handle that if that's the case i don't really know if it's all that different from the male audience like 
like everyone I almost everyone I interact with on like Twitter and stuff is just like a real nice guy who likes the thing I make. Right. Like, like, people follow me because they like the things I make for the most part. I don't know why else you would see my Twitter and think to follow me. Um, it's just a bunch of jokes about Batman and whatever's coming out. Like I made fun of that Venom trailer real bad on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the Venom trailer. I, I'm gonna later in this interview. The, I want to get your take on a bunch of stuff that's just come out. Oh, great! Sure. I can't wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think everyone, girls and guys both who follow me are just really kind they just like to see my dumb jokes and they're not they they don't i don't feel like they treat me any differently like when i look at how they tweeted andrew i'm like no those are about the same a lot of people tweeted andrew and i together as well like they'll tweet at both of us and they'll be like what do you guys think about this new trailer so i'm like oh yeah that's that's equality right there yeah they can't (laughs) wait to see like your take Mm -hmm. on stuff that that's awesome it's really nice it's very refreshing and like entering comic shops and like those sorts of things you've never really had a problem with that i've never had a problem i like i totally believe that other people do and i know it happens all the time but i'm also one of those people who doesn't want to be helped when i enter a store (laughs) you know (laughs) like some people enter a store and they want to be helped i enter a store and i'm like please don't ask me if you need help I don't want any help. So I don't think if anyone ever has been mean to me in a comic book store, I've never noticed Um, or like ignored me in a comic book store. I haven't noticed because also I wouldn't care. I'd just be like, whatever. I I like what I like. Go away. That's awesome. (laughs) I did realize the because there is a thing like um, geek credding that like some nerds will do. Yeah. Where they like test you. They test you. And I was actually at the very first Secret Loves of Geek Girls panel and someone asked uh, there was like 10 of us and someone asked about geek credding and I didn't think I'd ever been geek credited and then all these girls told these stories about being geek credit and I was like oh I have been geek credited but I thought they were just making conversation right. <laughs> every time I've been geek credited I've gotten really excited yeah, yeah. Like oh someone, I can tell you I can yeah <laughs> I've never realized they were being assholes like someone would come up to me and they'd be like oh yeah how many Robins were there I'm like oh well there's four or five <laughs> if you can't carry Kelly which one's your favorite Robin and I would just get really and not realize someone was being a dick it was a weird realization because you're in media uh there's also a tendency for like men to interrupt women a lot or interject or Mm -hmm. i guess like have their opinions sort of spotlighted more and it's not always conscious you know but does that ever happen to you as well i don't really find i don't find i'm so much interrupted or explained to. I think I'm considered pretty much an expert on what I discuss now. I I, I run a website about superheroes. Um, I think more often it's just like there's an imbalance of numbers. Like right. I've been on many panels where I'm the only girl. Mm-hmm. And then it's like all these guys. So obviously, so no one interrupts me, which is very nice. They listen to my thoughts, but also like, you know, there's only 25% of a female voice on this panel because there's only one girl. Right. Um, so I don't really feel like I personally get explain too much but then again most of my verbal interactions are with andrew and he is very respectful and he's he values my opinion and and i i interrupt him a bunch if he interrupts me so <laughs> we, we're both pretty good about it i don't really go into that much but uh yeah it, it definitely happens i can't think of an example right now but. what are sometimes you guys have guests on mm-hmm. your on your podcast um who who's your favorite guest to interview and like 
uh, sometimes they're people you know, and other uh, times they're... Well, when we have guests on, they're not so much interviewed. They're just reviewing yeah, the movie with Yeah, us. they're just um, discussing with you. We've interviewed, like, actual celebrities a couple times whenever we just get a chance to talk to them. Um, I interviewed Stephen Amell, and it was real embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Um, it was for Ninja Turtles 2, so he was doing the premiere here in Toronto. And I interviewed him, and it was just me, because it was like a one-on-one uh, on the red carpet. He wasn't in our studio or anything. And we, so it was... He was playing Casey Jones, and I was like... I was like a little bit nervous and a little bit flustered. I'd never met Stephen Amell before. And he came over and he was like, and uh, we were talking about it. And I was like, okay, so in the trailer using like the hockey stick and stuff, are you going to get more of like the Casey Jones weapons? Are you going to get like the croquet bat? And and, and he's like, yeah, I want to get, I want to get golf clubs and stuff. And I'm like, or you can get like a Jedi stick. I forgot the word lightsaber so hard. I said Jedi stick to Stephen Amell. <laughs> and he very sweetly just went with it. <laughs> he did not correct me. <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, like a Jedi. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the interview was just fine. But after I was done, I was like, Jedi stick? What the heck is a Jedi stick? <laughs> oh, man. But in terms of one-on-one guests, um, I absolutely love Jocelyn Getty, who we had on as a guest twice. And then she actually has a podcast on our network now because we love her so much. It's called I Hate It, But I Love It. She's a sketch performer and she is a television writer. And she also is on our network now on I Hate It, But I Love It. It. She's so funny. She's so incredible. And our other best guest is probably Luke Gordon Field. He's very, very funny. He's the creator of the Beaverton. Oh, cool. Um, he's a good friend of ours, and he's so funny, which is why the Beaverton's so funny. <laughs> um, we're really lucky every time we have him on. He, he's been on like four times. He also plays Bruce Wayne in all our sketches. Nice. Um, so we really love having Luke on. He's very, very funny. He he really likes to just rip apart bad movies. It's it's really good. It's almost upsetting when we have a good movie because ripping apart the bad movies is really great. <laughs> yeah, is that what I hate it but I love it is like you movies bad movies that you love or um, I hate it but I love it is movies. Um, I'm not on that podcast no. we just produce it but yeah. i hate it but i love it is uh it's movies that like they love in certain ways but also hate in certain ways i think the best example is like it's usually things that they loved as a kid and then when you rewatch as an adult you're like oh no <laughs> so like breakfast club and love actually and you're like you watch love actually as an adult and you're like oh the women in this movie are treated awfully yeah, yeah, yeah. oh no <laughs> yeah especially now like in the time we're living in right yeah now. yeah yeah so it's really like a very funny podcast where they just kind of analyze movies that like they can't explain why they love them sometimes but they should hate them or they just straight up hate them now but they used to love them it's it's a real fun show nice and uh in terms of the guy who created the Beaverton, I mean, it's a pretty good perk to look like Bruce Wayne on a regular basis. On a it's regular basis. pretty great. Well, he like he looks like him. He's like a tall guy. He's got a deep voice. It, it works out very nicely. He's too. He's a little bit too blonde, but we forgive. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. So since you're so good at like reviewing like movies and stuff like that, uh, there's so many trailers that have come out. There's so many trailers, and like half of them came out in the Super Bowl, and half of them were like, "We don't need you, Super Bowl." <laughs> people are gonna watch it no matter what. I feel like the Super Bowl does nothing to add to how many people watch your trailer. Well, and the Super Bowl got like the lowest ratings it's ever gotten. Well, that in, was like, just Timberlake's fault. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like Black Panthers coming out. Oh like, my there's God, so I can't much wait stuff for Black happening. Panther. Happening. So, I mean, what? What has you really jazzed and uh, what can you sort of like say, like, I, I can care less about this. I don't know why they think we care about this sort of thing. Um, I'm super jazzed for Black Panther. I'm super jazzed for Infinity War. Um, oddly jazzed for Mission Impossible. 
those movies have been really great lately. I know that's not like a nerdy property all that much, but. Well, I want to see the mustache that everyone's you got, talking about. Well, I mean, about. it's in the trailer. It's in the Justice League ruining mustache is in that trailer. And you're like, there it is. That ruined your face. <laughs> in terms of just like things I don't care about, I really care about so little that DC is making anymore, except for like Wonder Woman sequels. Like every single property they have is just in such a dire straits. Like the Flash movie was supposed to come out this year, I think. Right. It's now been pushed back to 2020. It's only just gotten a director, poor Ezra Miller. And like, I just feel like DC, almost every single movie is rushed. Like the fact that Flashpoint is supposed to be like the Flashpoint paradox story. I'm like, it's the first Flash movie. I know. That's like the fifth Flash movie. (laughs) You can't go change the status quo when there's no status quo yet. That's Yeah. It's like opening with Batman v Superman like they did. It's like these characters have never met. It's not exciting that they're fighting. And the fact that they're just using it to try to correct their mistakes and like reboot oh, the yeah, universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like they don't even really care about the story. They just need a vehicle to like change Ben Affleck into Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And Jared Leto will change into somebody else. Maybe Joaquin Phoenix, I hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which makes sense. But also like it's so hilarious that... When you watch Batman v Superman, there's that Flash storyline where he's, like, popping up from, like, there's, like, time travel involved in Batman v Superman. And, like, I feel like we've all forgotten that because right. none of it's in Justice no. League. <laughs> there's no inkling of time travel yet. I feel like it's going to be, I feel like this Flash movie is never going to happen. And that's just going to be a dumb thing in Batman v Superman that never gets <laughs> explained. I really feel that in the bottom of my heart. And it's so weird because they, they just replaced, like, their executive at the top of Warner Brothers who everyone's like oh good like Mm -hmm. they're changing everything but it seems like they're making the same sorts of decisions like i'm more disappointed that like jeff johns hasn't gotten them on track because i'm like jeff johns is the man who's writing i really respect i think he really gets the characters he knows how to make a story work and i like he is he's like eic in charge of warner brothers movies now or something he's doing something quite high up and like i feel like he's got he's fixed nothing yeah like maybe they just didn't give you enough power and you don't have the ability to fix it jeff johns but I really thought they were going to get back on track when he was like put in charge of putting things in order. It seems like Warner Brothers is, is more like we're a movie studio. Like we'll sort of listen to you comic book people, but like we know how to do movies. We know like, how to do. Like, like, we know how to put an actor in front of a camera and turn it on. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's what we do here at Warner Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think the exciting thing is. I think what's exciting in movies right now is like the the marginalized voices because like I think that's why they're the better movies these days because like the people making Wonder Woman were so passionate about it because it's the first female-led superhero movie. Well, the first huge budget one. Sorry, Elektra and Catwoman. <laughs> but uh, so like everyone was so passionate about it. Like I feel like Black Panther is going to be amazing because you know everyone working on Black Panther was so passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, they know that they're like mm-hmm. making history. And, and just working on things you love really helps. Like Spider-Man Homecoming was really good, which is I assume because everyone loves Spider-Man. That's got to be so fun to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there just doesn't seem to be any like joy or passion in the DC movies like I've never I have very few DC movies have been made other than Wonder Woman that are like yes I was so passionate about Suicide Squad I just had to write about them it, it was more like just like universe this was a building cash by grab. numbers kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah they're yeah. like we'll do what D- what Marvel did but faster and worse yeah and for the most part it doesn't work and I really wish they just got like a real passionate director to make 
a movie they wanted to make. Like, they just gave Taiki Waititi reign to do whatever he wanted, and he remade Thor. <laughs> like, Thor's been reimagined and is so much better than he ever was. Just get passionate directors to do really good work. It seems easy enough, I guess. Yeah, whereas, like, it seems like the focus is more on, like, how much money can we make and how many fans can we mm-hmm. exploit? What, what storylines are going to get the most people in seats? Like, yeah. Which is why you do Batman v Superman immediately. It's why you do Flashpoint immediately. Yeah, You're yeah, like, exactly. what are the big storylines? <laughs> exactly. Bring me photos of Spider-Man. Like, it's just what's going to sell. And I, and I really think that, like, nobody has any idea how well like Black Panther's gonna do. Like, Black Panther's it's gonna, gonna explode. destroy everything. <laughs> He's, we're gonna be wiped out by Wakandans. It's gonna be so great. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see this movie. I've got like a 2D VIP books. <laughs> Very excited. That's awesome. Yeah, like people who've never bought advanced tickets for a movie before <laughs> are buying tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. for a movie before. It's, it's so exciting. It's, yeah, it's, it's like Wonder Woman all over again. Yeah. Like, she had, like, the lowest week-to-week drop in sales, because women were just going over and over again to go see it. And I think that's gonna be the exact same with Black Panther. Right. People are gonna re-see this movie over and over. Well, and so many, like, prominent black celebrities are like, I'm gonna rent out theaters! Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, already doing it! Well, like, well, like, renting out theaters, but also just, like, even in the movie. Like, right. I was looking down the cast list, and, like, you know, there's, like, the main people but when you get a little farther, I'm like, Daniel Kaluuya is in this? Yeah. From Get Out? When did he get involved? <laughs> exactly. Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us? Like, Emmy-winning Sterling K. It's Brown? Like everyone. It's everyone. all the wattage in the black community of yes. acting <laughs> in just, one movie. And I'm so happy for them. And, and like, Ryan J. Coogler is fantastic. Like, uh, Creed amazing. was amazing. Amazing. That was a really, really great movie. And Michael B. Jordan is going to, like, I feel bad. I think he's going to blow Chadwick Boseman, like, right out of the water but what yeah. can you do? I mean, yeah, I've been hearing so much about this villain and like... That's and I love a good villain. Yeah. That's so important. A good villain is the most important part of a movie, I think. Totally. But then there's like the Venom trailer and like the <laughs> Spider-Man universe. <laughs> Talking about things that are not a passion project. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that venom trailer that trailer might as well just been called like tom hardy likes mris <laughs> there's no plot there's no venom there's no dialogue yeah it's just sometimes you go through some stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's everybody that's everyone who's ever existed we all go through shit i'm venom <laughs> this is like being negan in the walking yeah. dead we're all venom yeah, exactly. we've all been in an mri machine <laughs> we've all had shots of our friends in hallways yeah. yeah that trailer was nothing and like i see why they didn't pay for a super bowl ad but i also don't see why they didn't wait to put in a trailer with some more stuff in it yeah especially when like things like carnage and like like tom holland are rumored to be in the movie like put us at ease people <laughs> Give me something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, like, I don't even think there's, like, a plot synopsis out for the movie, I'm pretty sure. Like, who does Venom fight? He's a bad guy. Like, yeah, you would have to have Carnage, like you said, yeah. to, like, make him a good guy. Yeah. Or Spider-Man shows up, but he fights Spider-Man, but then Spider-Man's not the good guy? I don't even know. Right. And don't even know. Right. And, like, based on, like, just the inkling that, like, Tom Holland might be in this movie, people are like, oh, oh, oh Infinity oh, War is oh. going to be half Secret War now they're oh, gonna put no. the black costume in it and whatever like people are just running with a rumor like so much 
much. All right, Infinity War, we already have him in Iron Spider costume. Right. We don't need black suit as well. Yeah, Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. I feel like Tom Holland would only show up in Venom. This is like what I want. I want him to show up for just like half a second, and then the Venom symbiote's like, ooh, spider. And then that's why there's a spider on his chest, because he thought it looked nice, and they don't even interact. Because <laughs> there's no other reason for him to have a spider on his chest if Spider-Man's not around. It's so weird. Like... The the hardest challenge of the Venom movie is trying to explain why Venom comes first. Like, why mm-hmm. why it's like a Venom movie and, like, why he exists and it's not as, like, an offshoot of something that happened to Spider-Man. Yeah, you can't just have Venom on his own. Although, I guess if you just, like... If, like, the Venom symbiote just finds Eddie Brock before it finds Spider-Man, that's just a thing? If you're a really talented writer and, like, a really talented director, you could probably explain it in a way that I'd be like, oh, that's a new innovative take, but, like... You really have to. You really have to. And it's the kind of story that seems like it would exist in, like, a big universe. Right. Like, if if Venom was, like, part of, like, the Avengers universe, I'm not sure if it is. Maybe it is. Because Spider-Man is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, who knows? So confusing. Uh, like, yeah. Then I would believe that Eddie Brock could just become Venom and you don't have to involve Spider-Man. But it's just this, like, standalone story with no one else involved. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do this. And your trailer didn't fill me with a lot of faith. Yeah, and it's fine if it's, like, completely different as long as it's, like, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can be different, but good yeah, is great. Yeah. I love different, but good. Yeah. I don't want the same. Like, I definitely don't want Spider-Man 3 again. Right, right. <laughs> That's totally. not what I want. Totally, totally. <laughs> what about the Jessica Jones second season trailer? Did you did you see that one? Oh, I, oh, I think I did. I don't. They don't show a lot of what the tr- season's about. Like, I don't even know who she's fighting because Purple Man's in the trailer, Purple but he's Man, not alive. I think he's Man's just in her head. Hand, I think, is in no, the no. Thing. You see David Tennant's face. Oh, okay, okay. Or maybe that was just in like a promotional still that I saw. Maybe. But he's he's like David Tennant was on set at least. Right, right. Yeah, he's gonna be in it. We know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it seems like there's gonna be. It's gonna be like as like a flashback or like a part of her psyche sense. or or something like that. I think they're doing, at least uh, there's like an inkling that they're just going over her origin, like what happened to her parents, that kind of thing. Uh, Oh, yeah, because we got to get down to the nitty gritty because like the same people who made her made Daredevil and made Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. And and there's definitely allusions to that. I think uh, there's a suggestion that Hellcat is actually going to become like her sidekick or something. Oh, that'd be nice. (laughs) So, So that's cool. Like... I really loved the first season of Jessica Jones. I thought it was, like, my favorite next to Daredevil. Dare I say, like, probably a little bit better for me than, than Daredevil, just because of the, the ground that they were treading? I mean, what did what did you think? I really liked Jessica Jones. I, have, I, I don't know if I like her more than Daredevil. Um, I think the middle of her season slumped a little, but, like, I, her story was so intense and it was so well told and right. it was... And again, like, it's very important to have, for this show, like, you have a female showrunner, so the story's told in a good way and that was so important and it made it such a good story and, like, Jessica was so badass, but she was so flawed and, like, everyone in the show was badass but flawed, which I really liked. But then again, I'm like, oh, those Daredevil fight scenes, though. <laughs> like, Jessica doesn't have those Daredevil yeah, fight scenes. Scenes, man. Yeah, yeah. She, no like, hallway fight for Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, she resists the superhero fights. Yes, she's very much against it. Um, yeah. Although her fight with Luke when she shot him was good. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think both shows are really great. I don't know if one needs to be better than the other. Um, the second half of Luke Cage I also really enjoyed. I didn't like the first half very much. Iron Fist was such a train wreck. Yeah, Iron Fist. <laughs> but uh, I think I think season two of Jessica is going to be really good yeah. as long as they, they just keep being true to Jessica. It's awesome. And I, and I hope because it was really clear in the Defenders that they didn't really know what to do with her. I mean, I'm not sure if they knew what to do with anyone in The Defenders. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't a great show either. That's true. I really wanted to love The Defenders. It felt like the only person they knew what to do with in The Defenders was Iron Fist, who's the worst one of them. Like, they were like, no, he has to open up the portal thing, and the, he's got a very clear journey, and everyone else is just there? Question yeah, mark? totally. So, yeah, I feel like none of them really had an arc in The Defenders. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be good to see her with, like, her original creative mm-hmm. team and, and stuff like that. No, I'm, I'm really excited. It's such an embarrassment of riches and every time they think they're gonna end it like it just keeps going we live in the best time to be a superhero nerd of all time like i think for like five years i've been waiting for the bubble to burst i'm like well no they can't keep this up (laughs) they're not just gonna keep adding shows and movies and everything else and there's just there's too much to take in i don't even watch all the nerd shows anymore there's too many which is weird because it's my job to watch all the nerd shows and i can't (laughs) which ones do you skip we don't watch gotham anymore um which i didn't even really dislike but like we just kind of just dropped off of it i didn't mind the gifted but we didn't really like feel compelled to keep watching it so gotham gifted i guess everything on fox (laughs) 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 never really realized that we didn't like fox uh just this year we gave up on arrow we really tried to keep watching arrow but that show's been bad for a while yeah i i'm there are shows that i've dropped off from and i feel guilty so i'm like should i get back in and arrow is one of those shows arrow is a show that i gave more years to than i should have because season two was so good it was amazing season two was amazing so you just keep watching like they're gonna get back to season two they're gonna find it again i loved season two of arrow and like i think i gave up to yeah i I lasted up until last season and i was like they're not gonna find it again i think i'm just done with arrow and i also so we dropped arrow and i think i watch everything else i watch supergirl i watch flash i watch black lightning i watch legends um so i will watch arrow when there's like the four-way crossovers and stuff um, cause they, like, you have to watch all the shows yeah, to get the whole crossover. Totally, totally. Um, like, what do you think of the whole Berlanti? I love thing? the Berlanti verse. Yeah. The Flash is having its best season it's ever had. Yeah. Which is shocking. Cause I've always liked the Flash, but I think this is the first season that I've been loving the Flash. This is a great season, which doesn't usually happen in a show's fourth season. Like they like find themselves and like, like the Flash realized it was a comedy this year. Yeah, no, and I and I love the villain. The villain is oh, amazing. Oh, yes, it's not a speedster. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, my God. Totally. But it's been so funny and fresh this season. Just, like, not a speedster. Ralph Dibney's really funny. All the dynamics really work. Iris finally feels like part of the team. It's not dour, and he's not, like, just sad about his parents all the time. Because he was kind of mm-hmm. like Batman for a while. He was kind of like, my parents are dead. Yeah. Um, and he's not time traveling and changing, making complicated stories lines yeah. just straight up there aren't multiple versions of harry and mm-hmm. like you know crazy people so yeah it's just a fun straightforward superhero show yeah it, totally. it's it's, fan, it's really found its stride this season i'm really happy with it and supergirl with like the legion of superheroes like i've never thought i'd see the day that that would ever happen supergirl went insane when it moved to the cw because <laughs> supergirl on cbs was like it's just supergirl she's the only hero the second they moved to the CW, they were like, the planet's full of aliens. <laughs> like, literally the first episode. 
there's a bar where all the aliens go and there's aliens everywhere. I'm like, okay, that's weird. So then the Legion shows up. I'm like, sure. Sure, the Legion's here. They came through a time portal. They've been on Earth for 4,000 years. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty tiny Legion. Like, it's just three of them. <laughs> Let's be real here. But there could be more at any time. There are pods on the ship. We yeah. haven't told us there's not more of yeah, them. Yeah, there's yeah. more pods on that ship. Exactly. <laughs> and I can't believe how gritty Black Lightning is. Black Lightning is so good. Black <laughs> Lightning is Daredevil meets Luke Cage. Yeah. Like, it feels like a net Marvel Netflix show. Right. It doesn't feel like a CW no, show. No, not at all. But, like, the, in a good way. The only thing that makes it feel like a CW show is that costume. That costume. <laughs> I'm so glad you don't like the costume. <laughs> Those lightning bolts are so big. <laughs> and they're so plasticky. I know. Why is there not, like, a cool sheen on them? I or why are, like, get some tinier lights in there? Yeah, I don't love the costume, but I like everything else yeah, about that so show. Yeah, it's so awesome. But my favorite scene had to be when they're like, Black Lightning's back. I wonder where he is. And he's like on the <laughs> on the roof of like this two-story hotel. And he's bright blue lights on him. And all they have to do is like look up and they would see him. It was just so awesome. Um, my favorite scene on Black Lightning was when he went to go beat up Lala and the doorman was like, Black Lightning! Lala's in the penthouse. And the doorman just rats out Lala. It was the funniest thing. <laughs> And I love just the idea of, like, the community is behind Black Lightning. Right. Like, it was a funny scene, but it was also a nice themed moment of, like, yes, the community wants Black Lightning to clean up these streets. Yeah. It's a great show. And, and, and just, like, how, like, brutal you don't expect it to be and how shocking. Like, he just shot that girl point blank. And, like, you know. That was incredibly shocking. Yeah. And even, like, when he fights people, like, when he punches someone in the face, there's blood spatter and their, like, teeth come out. And I'm like... I've never seen that happen when Arrow punches somebody. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Arrow's a pretty dark show. Yeah. Like, he puts arrows in people. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought Arrow was a dark show, and then I saw Black and then Lightning. I, I agree, 100% agree. Yeah, I thought Arrow was dark, but I guess Arrow was just shadowy. And then Black Lightning is actually like, no, people die, and there's blood, and there's, like, very brutal sounds during fight scenes. Yeah, and I'm dealing with, like, trying to get back with my wife, and, like... And my kids are going through a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's a, it's definitely a wealth of riches. Um, um, and I'm really oh oh one thing that I'm, is coming back that I'm excited about I forgot to mention the Tick is coming back this month. Oh, the Tick! That show's amazing. That was the greatest first season I've ever seen. Oh, it was so good. I, like no one talked about this show, and it was so so good. It wasn't like any Tick that's ever happened before, no. but it was still so good. Like it wasn't quite the cartoon. It wasn't quite the first live action show, but it was just this weird. It was this crazy mix of like heroes actually like people actually becoming heroes and making a difference and the, and the voice that he did like the way that he found the way the tick is supposed to be and the, like the personality mm -hmm. was like so good it was so good because when they first cast peter sinkowitz serafinowitz oh, I, le I left out a lot of consonants <laughs> huh <laughs> i think i was I just call, waiting to be able i to call do him sinkowitz <laughs> um we'll just call him pete yeah. um when he was cast i was like oh you don't look like the tick because like patrick warburton looks like the tick yeah. let's be honest totally. you look at that guy and you're like that's the tick right there yeah. but he doesn't look like the tick but he's very funny and he's very very good yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's amazing and the fact that like amazon has sort of doubled down on superheroes too like everyone else has they're putting in like the boys and a bunch of like oh are they making the boys i hadn't heard yeah, about that yeah. oh i don't really want to see the boys <laughs> that's a very dark story yeah, i don't know how they're gonna do it but like i'm hoping i mean but uh yeah and like what else are they making other than that it's, it's like the boys and then there's like 
uh, Netflix has like the Mark Miller stuff, but like Amazon is trying to like, I guess they're giving uh, the boys to the same guys who did Preacher, like Seth Rogen. And oh, his, all right, that makes sense. Preacher's real good and stuff. So yeah, Preacher's good. It's it's different than the comic, and I kind of had to like get. I didn't over watch that season two, so yeah, I'm very bad. Yeah. But <laughs> but I liked season one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a crazy time. It's it's the perfect time to be like a commentator on this sort of stuff. Like your business is booming. Our business is booming. Like we're too busy. Like there's like you know. When we first started this podcast, our talk from superheroes, we're like, oh, we're going to run out of movies and shows pretty quick. What are we going to, like, we, we should have a backup plan. And it's literally every month we're like, okay, so we can't cover this movie and we can't cover this show because our schedule's too full. Like, we just have too much to cover. Um, we've never covered Gotham. We've never covered The Gifted just because, like, we didn't have time. Um, we don't have time to cover The Tick Season 2, even though we love that show. There's too many movies coming out. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're rich in superhero stuff. Do you think think the disney fox merger if it goes through is gonna like reduce the amount of movies every year that we're gonna see i don't know if it will reduce it i mean really what were we getting like one x-men movie every like two or three years well it seemed like there was a lot because it seemed like you know fox was doing some stuff and sony was doing some stuff and disney was doing some stuff so it seemed like there were like there's like a competition to try to get your like superhero dollars Mm -hmm. but i feel like if if disney absorbs all this like they're gonna want to space it out a little more i don't know they're not big on like they're making so many star wars things that i don't think they're really gonna worry about having like they they obviously like to just make content yeah do you think that like the star wars thing like they're in danger of like saturating it too much they are making a lot like when they just announced that ryan johnson was getting his own trilogy I was like, okay, that might be a lot of superhero stuff. But now they're giving the Game of Thrones guys a trilogy, too. And I'm like, that's a lot of Star Wars stuff for a thing that up until, like, four years ago, there was only six movies. I think they're really going to, That's gonna, a like, real, like, triple, quadruple down of content. Yeah, I, I think they're really testing our threshold. Mm-hmm. Like, how much... You love this? How, how much, much can you can take? take? Yeah. yeah, and they're just shoving it down our throats. Like, we hear you like Star Wars. <laughs> you like these Star Wars? And I'm like, well, not all of them. exactly Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah i'm not too worried about the merger i don't know if much will happen sure we'll get different x-men we were we were due to get different x-men we really need that franchise has never technically rebooted no i I know that's what's wild about it like from 2001 to the one coming out this year is technically the same continuity yeah that's wild marvel's got nothing on the x-men movies yeah yeah that's what's insane about them i think the biggest challenge for x-men will be being absorbed by Disney and, and Disney having to decide, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to, like, start all over again? Or, like, what what's going to happen? Disney will start all over yeah. again. Disney's a Disney's a rebooter. So, like, no, no, we, we need the Disney x Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the the actual Marvel take. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we'll give them more bright costumes and we'll be like, yay, bright costumes! Yeah, I yeah. hate black costumes. They're no fun. Right. Um, and, yeah, I think, they'll, I think they'll totally recast. I think it's a good time for it. Like, everyone who's playing a character now has been playing a character for, like, three or four movies. Movies. Hugh Jackman's done. It's the perfect time to recast all the X Men. Yeah, like these are people. Like they, they, that takes energy to do all these movies all the time. Yeah, so. and I think everyone else doing them is like pretty much done. I was actually really amazed that like Fassbender and Jennifer 
uh, Lawrence and all them came back for this one, I was like, I was pretty sure you guys were done (laughs) with Apocalypse. (laughs) I thought you were all out of this franchise, but I guess they like that money. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, What else do you have going on? Like, what's your next thing? I mean, obviously, you're going to continue to do from superheroes and that brand's happening. But are you going to be contributing to any more anthologies? Are you writing any more comics? Like, what's what's going on? Uh, We just keep we're doing what we do and keep doing what we do, obviously, which is like a full time job in itself. Right. Uh, Actually, the next thing I'm working on, I got a Toronto... Uh, Toronto Arts Council grant to finally finish my fiction novel, which is not related to superheroes at all. I mean, it's a fantasy book, so there's magic. Right. Um, so that's the next thing I personally want to do. It's not like out or anything. It's just my next personal project that I'm working on. It's done and being edited. Wow. But it's not like out to a publisher or bought or anything. Can you can you tell us anything about it or is it um, a little secret? No, no, it's not that much of a secret. Okay. Uh, it's called The Mark of the King. It's about these two countries that are next to each other and they uh, one country has magic and one country doesn't. But the way magic works is it's kind of more like X-Men abilities. You're born with magical abilities. You can't like learn magic and you can't unlearn magic. It's like you either have it or you don't. So you're born with like ice powers or you're born with telekinesis or just like no magic at all. So it's just about these two countries and then there's a a prince who should be very powerful and he has no powers. He's like, well, screw this. I'm going to the non-magic country if I don't have any powers. And they're like, you have to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually described this plot to my sister and she's like, it kind of sounds like the Lion King. And I was like, I hate you because it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. A prince who runs away and comes back. I'm like, there's no magic in the Lion King. Okay. And there's political stuff. Um, But yes, I hope it'll, I hope it'll be a a fun book that people will like and I hope I eventually actually get it done. Nice. And you're going, are you going on a bit of a press tour and like launches for Secret Loves? Um, we're doing a Secret Loves launch here in Toronto on February 21st at 6 p.m. at the TCAF store. Nice. Um, so if you want to get a copy, you can get a copy. You can get it signed by me and two of my contributors, uh, JP LaRock and Sadia Muzafar will also be there. That's awesome. So, TCAF store also known as Page and Panel. Oh yes, sorry. I just <laughs> <the TCAF store. laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You guys know where it is if you know where it is. It's at Young and Blore. It's in the reference library. Yeah, it's in the reference library. That's key. It's not mm, yes. a separate... Don't go looking for a separate thing. It's in the mm. reference library. Well, you can get to it from the street, but you can also you can. get f- to it from the, s- the library, right. which is nice. It's a nice double down. It's right. a great little store. I love that store. I just love the phenomena of people still being like, I went to the library and there's there's comments. <laughs> but I had here. to pay for them. <laughs> it's yeah, it's very hard to explain. Yeah. It was a weird concept to even go into and be like, we're gonna put a bookstore in a library. Yeah. But here's the thing, it's gonna be in a library where you can't check out books. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like it's a it's a real weird library dichotomy yeah, they got yeah. there. So in this library you can't check out books, but you can go to that bookstore and buy a book. Right. Well, I guess I will. <laughs> It's awesome. Total captive audience. You know they love to read. so mm-hmm. And they want to take something home. Yeah. So they're stuck with buying a book from the teacup store. Exactly. exactly. From Beijing Japan. Cool. So you're doing that. And then are you going to any other cities? Uh, uh, I'm not doing any other cities. There's signings across the globe. Okay. Um, I think there's signings in New York. There's one in Ireland. So like wherever, the, like the contributors are worldwide. Right. So I'm not going to those signings. But the, the contributors from those cities, like if so, if you're, if you're not in Toronto and you're listening to this, your city might have a signing like go 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 find the secret loves page and see where where yours are at yeah Um, totally because dark horse like organized all these signings like across the world so they're all the same day so it's going to be like a big social media buzz of all these signings happening and at the same time 
Wow. In Hope is such cities. a like movie, mover and a shaker. Oh, she's a mover and a shaker, baby. <laughs> I wish she hadn't moved away from Toronto. <laughs> that girl. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's going to be really fun. I'm not doing any other press for that. I'm probably going to be at March Comic Con and then Fan Expo. And I might be going to Just for Laughs, but I'm not sure. Just for Laughs? That's yeah, because awesome. we're comedians, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Cool. Well, I mean, Never Sleeps Network does a lot of comedy-related podcasts and stuff. So maybe we'll have you guys back for that and stuff. We love doing comedy cool all right um what about your social media like how can people follow you i mean obviously your your website and stuff like uh, promote the hell out of it all right i'll promote everything so yeah uh if you like the words i say you can find me on twitter i'm at words of diana those are my words um i'm mostly just like bash or praise trailers and tv shows it's real fun text from superheroes is at text from superheroes.com you can find everything we do at from superheroes.com that's the easiest way uh, it's just like a mishmash of everything and then you can find the individual stuff from there um our Facebook's called From Superheroes. Our Twitter's called From Superheroes. It's all just called From Superheroes, and you go on your way from there. Um, our podcast is Talk From Superheroes. Since you're on a podcast app right now, just go subscribe to it. It's real funny. Uh, and you clearly like comic books and me, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, like, so, you know, speaking of that, I mean, you can go subscribe to her podcast, you can subscribe to Speech Bubble. Oh, yeah, if you're listening to this because you like me, subscribe to Speech Bubble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a great podcast. Exactly. I mean, everything that we do on social media is at Speech Bubble Pod, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we have to thank our sponsor, Harry Tarantula. Uh, they they send us a lot of love and make us capable of doing this. So that's great. I'm so glad that you came in. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad I came in. This was so fun. I love talking nerdy stuff. Awesome. And we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Hey again, fanboys and fangirls. Aaron Broverman here. Thank you for listening to Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network. I wanted you to know that NSN features other amazing podcasts created right here in Toronto. Comedy and wrestling fans, check out Casey Corbin's wrestling podcast, Talk and Wrestling, here on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thanks for listening.